As we, um, as we go into continue our series in Hebrews, today we're at chapter 12, verses 3 through 17, and we're going to hear this word discipline a lot. And we all have our definition of discipline, we all have our way of disciplining ourselves and kids and people around us. Who has your own idea of what good discipline is? Or discipline. <laughs> Let's say that. It's a work in progress, isn't it? Okay. And there's a different variety of disciplines. Okay. There's oftentimes we take discipline and we relate it to punishment. Right? Those of you that have kids, your kid does something they're not supposed to do, they get a consequence, right? A punishment. For Gracie, I, I take her Winnie the Pooh, and she it makes it worse, actually. <laughs> uh, but there's this thing we have with taking the word discipline and making that a punishment word. There is, uh, we look at discipline as a way to refine skills or to create skills or senses, right? We practice things, we discipline ourselves to practice so that we can become more uh, efficient at something. And who's done that? I mean, you've got to do that in your jobs, right? You've got to discipline yourself so that you can continue to grow in that call and occupation. But the, the, the discipline word we're going to see today covers some of those things, but the heart of it is, how do we discipline ourselves to endure? Because endurance is a discipline, is it not? And when we look at the people in our lives, even people we admire, we will see the, the people that we consider their legends of what they've done or, or their story of their lives is kind of legendary. And if you look at their, those kind of resumes, you will see people that have disciplined themselves to endure. So how many of you have someone that you've looked up to, whether someone you know or even an athlete or a writer or so, someone like that? Okay. Shout out some names. Last, last service, there was like crickets. They couldn't say They have no... I'm not talking about hero worship. I'm talking about people that inspired you. What? Billy Graham. Gary. It's quite a compliment, Gary. What? Mother Teresa. I heard another one, too. Corey Tim Boom. Maya Angelou. Okay. Mark? Eugene Peterson. Eugene Peterson. Mark couldn't think of one last service. I was like, Mark, when it's quiet, you're the guy that breaks the silence. Come on. Well, for me growing up, this guy was my hero. Someone I looked up to. Who is this? Rudy. Rudy Rudiker. Rudy Rudiker. And if you don't know his story, he's a a football player that so badly wanted to play at Notre Dame. And everything was against him in that happening, especially his size. And for all intents and purposes, people convinced him his intellect was a problem, but he wasn't a stupid guy. And so he was, he was shorter than me, and the guy was a lineman, okay, a defensive lineman. And so I was a little guy, and so this guy inspired me. But he disciplined himself to endure the things that he had, he had to endure to, to get to where we, we see him as a, 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 an inspirational figure, the stuff of legends, if you will, he endured, he endured, he endured. 
And there are moments he wanted to break. There are moments he wanted to just stop and call it quits. But he disciplined himself to endure. Because if you watch the movie, it's a great movie, there are several places he's about to quit. It's not just one pivotal moment where he's about to quit and that's it. There are several, because that's life. That's how it feels. There are moments of triumph and there are moments of discouragement. And in that discouragement, God calls us to endure... He calls us to keep going, but oftentimes we want to quit. Oftentimes we just want to stop, tap out, enough's enough. But when we're told that Jesus is our hope, hope allows ourselves to endure. Well, I want to start off where Mark left off last week with verse 2 in chapter 12 of Hebrews. And here we see... Fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And before we get to verse 3, what are the first few words in verse 2? Fix your eyes on whom? Jesus. He's the center of of everything, every motivation, every desire, he has got to be, we have to be fixated on him. We've got to be where he is. We have to continue to pursue him. And then we get down to verse 3. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let me tell you what that means. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. Okay, picture right now, picture right now, Consider right now what Jesus went through. Either close your eyes, whatever you need to do, picture that. What you know of what he went through, I want you to picture that. Okay? Is it pretty bad what he endured? Yeah? We really have no idea. This is a powerful command here. Consider him who endured. What did he endure? He didn't just endure suffering, physical suffering. He, just, he didn't just endure abandonment from his disciples, the guys he, he did life with for years. He didn't just, just experience the most torturous death you could at that time. He experienced separation from God. And when we see in John, that he, was, he always was, right? He's always been with God. And for the first time ever, he's not there. Remember the garden scene. Okay, remember the garden scene, he's praying because he wants, he wants to get out of it. I mean, that's his desire, but he knows if it's God's will, he'll continue, and he doesn't hear back. And then we see it on the cross, what, is, what happens? My God, my God, why have you what? He's gone. Jesus had to experience a separation from a love that is who he is. How many of you have seen uh, The Passion of the Christ? Okay? And you see that how terrible that was. The reality was actually even worse. Historians go, that doesn't even actually scratch the surface. So even on the physical side, it's even worse than that. Because the crucifixion isn't just the death. It's, it's the leading of the betrayal. It's him being sentenced. And guess what? Here's the best part it also includes the empty tomb. Because that's where we get 
don't grow weary and don't lose heart because there's hope. Because we heard on Good Friday, Mark did this great message that how did Jesus endure all of that? And I only give you a snapshot. How did he endure all that? It was because the hope set before him. There was a hope of redemption. There was a hope of life. It was a hope of the transformation of the, the people that he loves most. There's hope. And so we can endure. When we consider not just what he went through, but why he did it. It gives us hope. So when we define... Um, when we define discipline, this is what the passage really alludes to here. Now, remember, fix your eyes on who? Jesus. And remember, Hebrews is about what? It's about a group of people. It's about a group of people who are in Christ Jesus, but now they're being challenged, they're being persecuted, they're feeling the pressure, and they want to quit. So this writer says over and over and over, the only place worth being is where? With Jesus. And everything he says points to Jesus and being with Jesus, and that's the language. So, you're going to hear this a few times. The purpose of God's discipline is to simply keep us with him. Can you say that with me? The purpose of God's discipline is to simply keep us with him. Because when we discipline, we're not disciplined to make our kids' lives miserable. We're not doing it to torture anybody. The whole point is to bring them into life, right? If I say, Gracie, don't touch that stove, and she touches the stove, that creates pain. And we know that, right? And it creates heartache. So we bring a, a sense of discipline so that she no longer steps in the things that bring pain and death, but that bring life. And the whole reason why we are disciplined by God, meaning allowing Him allowing us to experience tough things, is so that we can draw nearer to Him and are disciplined to endure. Moving on. Verse 4. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Meaning you haven't become a martyr yet. It's not game over. And you have completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son. It says, this is from Proverbs, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Wow, that's really encouraging. Right? I mean, um, discipline, delight in it. Delight in it. This is a word of encouragement that God disciplines the ones he loves. I'm telling you right now, just the way I define discipline, that passage is discouraging. If I don't have a clear picture of what discipline from the Lord looks like, that can be very discouraging. I mean, when I think about discipline, I do think of punishment. I do think about those things. And it's kind of scary. But this is... Truly a word of encouragement. Because the Lord wants you to be with Him. And if we define discipline as God's way of bringing us into His presence and keeping us there, this is an encouraging word. Is it not? Because that's saying Daddy wants us to be with Him always. He wants us to be safe. And we know there's no safer place than in the presence of Jesus. We know that. 
So this is an encouraging word. And the reason being again, and read this with me, the purpose of God's discipline is to simply keep us with Him. What do you think I want you to remember by the end of this? In verse 7, and we're just going to kind of skim through here a little bit. Endure hardship as discipline. Endure, endure, endure. It's exhausting. Enduring is exhausting and it's painful. And then the writer talks about the relationship of father and child and the, the reasons for discipline. And then he says this, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. And we know that holiness doesn't come through merit. It comes through being in the presence of God because God alone is holy. So it's a proximity issue. When we are close and draw near to the presence of God, we step into a deeper holiness because He is holy. When we hear Scripture say, be holy as I am holy, that means get over here and be with me. Because we know we can't earn our way into the kingdom. We know we can't earn our way into relationship. We know that. Scripture tells us all over the place. We need to be with Him, and out of that comes all the good things and the good deeds in the works. And it's not out of obligation or production. It's out of a deep love because of the relationship we have with Jesus. And He assures us that no discipline seems pleasant at the time. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Now, no discipline feels good at the time. That is true. Uh, when I was in fifth grade, I can pinpoint where my lifetime pattern of insecurity and self-doubt came in. It's fifth grade, Mr. Sundstrom's class. And I, you know, it was, it was a time where, you know, you get those little uh, temporary tattoos and a little quarter dispenser, and I thought they were just too cool for school. And so I'm like, dude, I'm going to get a temporary tattoo and be awesome. Oh, gosh. Don't you wish you could go back and tell yourself, your young self, don't do that. And I thought it would be cool to get like a jaguar face. And little did I know, once it was on your skin, it looked like a house cat. <laughs> it lost all ferocity. It looked like a little kitty. And then I didn't place it in the cool spot, like on the, the arm or the forearm or on the calf. I put it right here on my hip. Yeah. Seemed like a good idea. And then I'm in fifth grade, right? I'm like, that's a cool spot right there. And uh, so I go to class. And then, you know, at that point, I felt invincible in fifth grade up to that point. I didn't feel insecure. I felt everyone liked me. I felt, you know, great. So I'm like... While the teacher's teaching, I'm just going to show everybody. Do you know how ridiculous it looks like showing a temporary tattoo on your hip? Guys, look at this. And I'm walking up, and people are sitting down. Look at this. And they're just like, you're too close to me. And my teacher, he goes, he sees this, and he calls me out and completely shames me and makes fun of me in front of everybody. Oh, little Brendan. <laughs> so he did. I was humiliated. For the first time, I felt completely incompetent, stupid, insecure, foolish, anything. 
And so I go home, and my dad's a pastor. He's sitting right there. Um, and I tell him what's happening, and I remember we had this old rocking chair, and he sits me down, and he's tired. He just got home, and here I'm just mad. I'm devastated. And so he's listening to me, and I said, I hate Mr. Sundstrom. I hate him. My dad's like, okay, okay, just let me process. And I go, I want him to go to hell. Well, fifth grade, you know, that was where you send him. If you don't like anybody and you want to see the ultimate punishment, that was my thought. And my dad goes, no, yells at me right in front of my face, scares everything out of me. And he goes, did that scare you? And I say, well, yeah, you're like this close and you got a booming preacher voice, of course. He goes, we're going to try something. I go, okay. He goes, I want you to bless him. I'm like, okay, you mean like, like the kind of blessing when someone sneezes? I can do that. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> bless you. <laughs> I can do that. And he says, no. He goes, this is what a blessing is. And if I'm getting you wrong, Pop, you can correct me later. Um, but I remember him telling me to this effect. He says, God's... A blessing is God's fullest intention on someone's life. Did I get that right? God's fullest intention. So I mean the best for them, I bless them with. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. I am not blessing this man. He humiliated me, and I want justice. It was hard. But I respect and love my dad, and I knew that he was right. So I said, I'm going to try this. And the process of disciplining myself, one, to endure the hum humiliation to the point where I can bless this man who actually put in place uh, habits and years of habits of insecurity and patterns in my life. I'm like, what? But I wrestled with it every day to bless this guy. Every day. And then another person made me mad. And I wanted to curse them and all this, and I began to bless them. And what it did was it began to draw me closer into the presence of God, that it opened up space for me now to see what God sees, and for God to do what He wants to do rather than what I want to see done to them. It opened up space. The discipline drew me closer in to the presence of God in such a way it was, I was able to see what He sees and not just what my own version of justice and it's a practice that that and a discipline that I have I have done all my life from that point on and it really does open things up but that for me was an example of it hurt every time it was painful discipline it did not feel good right we have those people in our lives we want to see God smite right if we're going to be honest right smite thee we see Bruce Almighty say it right he goes I smite thee I mean, we laugh, but that, that is, the, if we're being honest, that's kind of what we want justice. Because when someone hurts us, we want to see justice done. But what happens when you bless is that it's almost even more painful because, especially if the person's aware because they don't deserve it and they're getting something great they don't deserve. And that's how we feel, don't we? With the love of God. We know we don't deserve it, but He gives it to us. Doesn't that make it hard to receive? That's why we pray almost every Sunday, Lord, give us a heart to receive. Yeah, we don't deserve it, but it's our birthright because we're His children. 
And he says, I love you. And he wants us to receive it. So discipline is hard, but it bears great fruit when we endure. And so, and it leads us into the presence of God. And so we say again, the purpose of God's discipline is to simply keep us with him. Simply keep us with him. It's great. Well, then we come to the end of the passage. And what we see here is, Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Make every effort to live in peace with, with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And how do we attain holiness? Being with Him, being in His presence. See to it that no one falls short of grace, of the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he, re- he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. Now, this is a lot. But when we look at discipline being God's way to bring us close to Him, we see a church call here, a body life call to encourage one another to endure. Now, this is not permission to shame one another when we miss the mark. It is not permission to shame one another when we miss the mark. Do we help bring people into awareness that they've missed the mark? Yes, but you don't leave them there. Does Jesus leave us there? No, he doesn't. The law makes us aware of sin, and then Jesus demolishes it and takes it upon himself so that we can have new life. This is for us to encourage one another to endure, 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 discipline ourselves to endure, And here are some things to look out for. It's not an exhaustive list, but these are things that can infect us and can, to Mark's point last week, take us off the mark. Because God's whole point is for us to be with Him. That's what He wants. That's why He disciplines us. These things that are mentioned here are not the best He has for us. So He says to one another, He says to us to say to one another, encourage one another not to go that way because that's not the best I have for Him. It's not just because, oh, you did this wrong. and bleh. We know how that goes. People don't have a good time receiving that and wanting to change. Because now the picture of God is God like this. Rather than like this. Does that mean there's not accountability? No, that doesn't mean that. But how we go about it is what's important. See, when Esau's mentioned, we see a guy who rejected his inheritance for something he thought he wanted. And then when he realized what he wanted isn't as good as what he would have gotten, then he came crawling back even to the point of tears. And he didn't get what he wanted. Because oftentimes, we want the blessing of God, but we don't want the relationship. We want the benefits. But the benefits is the relationship. The benefit is the relationship. I can't tell you how many people I know who are trying to find healing from accepting Christ out of fear and judgment and wanting to just be in heaven, but not a relationship with God. If you don't want a relationship with God, you're going to hate heaven. 
It'll feel like hell to you. Because guess who's there for eternity just loving on you? Jesus. <laughs> if you don't want relationship with him, see Esau didn't want relationship, he just wanted what he could benefit from. And so the writer exhorts the people, look, when you're enduring this, know that this endurance leads you, this discipline leads you into the presence of God. Don't reject it. Don't just go, oh, it was great to have hope for a minute, and now it's gotten hard, and now I'm going to go leave. And then come crawling back when I need something, then leave. He's trying to point to them that the safest place is Jesus. The only thing that matters is Jesus. Jesus all day long. Jesus all day long. I had a um, conversation with a dear friend of mine. And I want, I want to end with this story because I don't want to clutter this passage and the understanding of what true discipline is. But he's one of my oldest friends and my last friend from high school. And I had a conversation with him the other day that was years in the making. He had been around us growing up. He'd been around Christianity. He'd been around churches and this and that. But he just didn't want any part of it. You know, any part of it. It became too hard. It became way too hard because the things that he had to endure were things he didn't want to endure. And he said to me, look, I'm ready to have a conversation. Something is missing in my life. And he spelled out, I asked him, I said, what's your picture of God? And he said, someone that's disinterested in me. And that is someone who's as close to me as a brother brought me to tears. That someone would see our loving God as someone completely disinterested in him. He says, but that's what I've been shown by the people. They've been more worried and concerned about telling me what I was doing right or wrong and less concerned about my, the condition of my heart. And he goes, now I'm ready to have a conversation about what Jesus thinks about my heart. And this is, this is cool confirms what we're doing here. I said, what would you want to see? What would you want your picture of God to be? And it's his words, not mine. He goes, I would just love to have a God that wants to walk with me. I would just love to have a God that would walk with me. Guess what? You do. You do have a God that wants to be with you, that wants to walk with you. And the tough times we go through are, help, us, help point us in that direction. When we have terrible things happen, God is saying, look, I'm not doing this to you, but this is happening, and you have an opportunity to endure, to discipline yourself in such a way you know where I am and you know where I'm not, so you can step into my presence and be with me and stop touching the hot stove. And guess what? I'm going to put people around you that know how to get to me and be with me to encourage you to stay there. That's you. Not shame you into staying there, but root you on and encourage you to be there. Because ladies and gentlemen, we do have a God that wants to be with us. We do have a God that wants to walk with us. And the invitation is right there. We just got to step into the invitation. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. This, this is why it's an encouraging word. God disciplines the ones he loves because where it leads you is right to him. Where no one can touch you because with Jesus you are safe. There's nothing man can do to you. 
when you're with Jesus. Because we have a hope and a future that goes beyond the life we know. I'm done, because I'm going to keep crying. But this is what it's about. It's the only thing that matters until anything else can matter. Do you get that? Being daily in the presence of Jesus is the only thing that matters before anything can matter. And when you're there, he's going to lead you into the mission field. He's going to lead you in those places, but it's him taking you there. It's him taking you with him. It's not us trying to be productive for the kingdom. It's we are being productive because God, because I'm right there with Jesus. That's the best production you will ever accomplish is just being right with Jesus. And in a culture where we think doing more creates more value, it's completely false. Doing less is going to get you right to where Jesus is because we are so production-minded that we forget to, to, that Jesus is the one that goes and we go with him. Not us doing stuff and go, hey, Jesus, how about you come over here and help me out with your work? Is that backwards or what? So I, with every fiber in my being, and I don't know how to do it every day, I do, I do the best I can just to be with him and not try and muck it up by trying to overthink it and do stuff to think I'm productive, but just allow the silence and the stillness to fill me. But I want to exhort you in the name of Jesus, don't try and do anything he's not leading you to do. Just be with him. And when you're going through tough times, see it as an opportunity to endure, to discipline yourselves to endure. Because the reason why we appreciate the people we do that have these great reputations is because somehow they found a way to endure to discipline themselves to endure. And God calls us something far greater because the reward is Him. And it's not something you have to wait for. You don't have to wait for the reward. The reward is Him. You know what treasure in heaven is? Jesus. But it's open-ended now. It's an eternity. So I just want to encourage you there's one thing you come away with is that the purpose of God's discipline is to simply keep us with him. And it's the best place to be. Let's pray. You are good. Man, you're good, Lord. And if there's anyone here that doesn't know that yet because they haven't experienced it, man, knock their socks off today in Jesus' name. You are so good. Lord, would you lead us in this time of worship? Would you um, help us to allow you to give us all the blessings you want to give us? Would you help us receive today? It's so hard to receive. But we just pray for your grace to be upon us as we posture ourselves to receive all the good things. And uh, bless this congregation. Bless this church family. It's It's not just a congregation. It's a family family and and we want to be with you we want to be where you are at all times show us how to encourage one another to create a safe place for one another that when it's time for hard word we can receive it and not get defensive and we can also say it in a way that's that doesn't diminish or shame but encourage encourages us 
So just have your way with us this morning. Would you bless our tithes and our offerings that we would continue to trust you, be with you in what we give, and whether it be money, time, and relationship. Lord, we just, it's all yours. So we're going to move with you in that. So just bless this time. And I pray we you just enjoy the sweetness of your presence this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.